Hello and welcome to episode number 149 of Their Giants Podcast. Um, this is a fun one. I I, uh, I have joining me this week, uh, NBC Sports Bay Area. I always screw that up. Uh, Alex Pavlovich, Giants Insider, uh, to talk a little bit about what's going on in Giants world. Alex, thanks for thanks for stopping to chat. Uh, I, I guess the manager search is probably holding off vacation plans this time of year. Yeah, it, I think, uh, you know, a little bit of both. I get to take some time <laughs> off, but also uh, you're always kind of paying attention to your phone. So, uh, you know, I, I brought you in mostly because I want to talk about young guys and, and young players. But uh, I want to start with uh, something you said yesterday on, on Giants Talk, your podcast, which uh, I'm going to assume all my listeners listen to because certainly they <laughs> <I> should. So. <laughs> um you were talking about the the manager, the the guys who've been that we know have been interviewed so far, and you said your instinct is that uh, it's probably not going to be an internal candidate. And I just wanted to ask you, kind of, where your mind is on that. Uh, is 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 that because primarily the optics are that it's hard to sell to the fan base? Is not enough change, or is it sort of philosophical that you that you do think Farhan is looking for a different way to change up his processes for me it's mostly optics um i think there's a pr element to this and Mm -hmm. you know one thing that really stood out the two times he spoke to us first after gabe was fired and then um what four or five days later the end of season press conference was there there was more of a acknowledgement i think than i've ever heard from him that the fans are unhappy and that something has to change in general um and so I, that's where I go to, because I, I think individually, you know, I think Alyssa has a very bright future in this game. Like I've actually always thought she could pretty seamlessly slide into a front office as well yeah. if, if she wanted to. Um, I think Mark Hallberg's going to be a manager candidate for a long time. And and uh, Kai Correa, you know, I, he's similar to Gabe in a lot of ways in terms of thinking and uh, the way they, they organize things. But I was really impressed with the three days he had just in terms of, you know, a big part of that job is standing in front of the cameras. Yeah. And I thought he did a really nice job just from my perspective and, and uh, seemed very comfortable in that role. So this isn't anything against any of those candidates. Um, yeah. I just think optics wise, it's going to be a tough sell if you fire Gabe and then hire somebody from his staff, in which case I would think you'd probably keep most of the staff because uh, right. they are very close-knit. And then you really kind of are putting a lot of pressure on yourselves to go out and get Otani or Yamamoto or somebody and not just come back next year and be like, hey, we ran it back without the manager and with some slight changes to the roster. I mean, I guess I'm I'm sort of fascinated by the idea of how we change core philosophies um you know i've i've worked in change management my wife's worked in change management and I, and it's not people don't like change and particularly yeah. people who have been successful don't really tend to believe that the things that made them successful have stopped working so when you hear at the end of that press conference you know farhan say things like maybe i need uh, a manager with more pushback or maybe i need to do you know there is this sort of wrestling with some some core philosophies that have succeeded for him i, I mean how much is that sort of a low-key subtext to this offseason is he really kind of rethinking what he needs to do to be successful i think a little bit i think probably not as much as 
a segment of the fan base wants him to. And I, <laughs> I actually don't blame him for that. I mean, a lot of what they do works and a lot yeah. of what they do is successful. They have some very glaring issues, which, you know, are not necessarily just him. I mean, they, they have, a, they do need some star power. They do need, you know, they do need to pay attention to one thing he said at his end of season press conference was, you know, winning will bring him back. I just don't necessarily believe that's true because I, as you know, from following me on Twitter, like I was, getting yelled at for harping on attendance at the end of 2021 like it was yeah. um in 2022 like it was the lowest attendance they've ever had in a in a full season at oracle park and they're coming off of 107 wins so i i think they have an understanding that there are some things they need to change at the same time like i don't think they're going to make huge changes to their core philosophy they are still going to use openers at times they are still going to use platoons all the time um they're still going to manage i i think in the same way, you did bring up something that I think is important, which is, and I asked him that question about kind of being in lockstep from Farhan to Gabe to his staff. And that was his answer to it, which was like, yeah, maybe we do need a little bit of pushback, which again is where I go to maybe an external candidate. um, Or if you want to look internal, maybe somebody like Ron Wotus, who just would push back more. Um, I think there are some internal candidates who would push back, but it's hard if you, got hired out of the minors or something by, by Gabe and you've given been given this great opportunity and and then you have to get an even better opportunity to be the manager it's hard to push back I think too much yeah. on the people who have given you those opportunities so uh, for me they need somebody in that office who is you know at times willing to just say like this is this is my belief on this and uh this is just the way I'm going to go and this is not going to be a conversation this is not anti-analytical at all, but this is a this is not going to be a conversation between me and, and 20 analysts and coaches. This is my yeah. decision, and this is how it's going to go. So another thing that he said in that press conference, and you at the time pointed out that it was a repeat of last year, was this issue that we need to get more athletic. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and part of that is just like these guys don't grow on trees. Like great athletes who can also hit are not on the waiver wire too often. But yeah. some of it is related to his philosophy of roster building which is maximize power everywhere um you know get guys who have enough positional flexibility like max muncie that you can put somebody up the middle who can really hit and that tends to limit how many really good athletes you have on the field um and and the guy who kind of like really crystallized this in my head was was tyler fitzgerald because i i've pumped up tyler fitzgerald for a long time because of his athleticism and i was talking to somebody in the giants organization i don't know august maybe and, you know, it's like, yeah, he's getting better at this. He still needs to work on this. And you know, they weren't criticizing him, but it didn't seem imminent that, you know, this was a guy who might figure into the plans. And then you go through that Arizona series and the next yeah. day, Tyler Fitzgerald is up. Yeah. And it not a coincidence. Like right. That there was not a coincidence there that maybe we they are starting to think more about having these up the middle athletes. So I guess I'll start with my what's going on with the young guys by asking about Tyler Fitzgerald. Um, who did have that like very brief audition. What was the impression of him in the majors? What do you think, what kind of role might he play? Is he somebody who could be part of the roster more than up and down in 2024? Kind of where is he? Yeah, I think it is funny that he brought up Tyler and Marco Luciano on that press conference. It's like internal ways because I was hearing the same things from people who were down there and people I really trust their evaluations who were, pretty early in the season wondering why he wasn't getting more of an opportunity. And um, 
so now it's like, yeah, he's, he's maybe our Chris Taylor or, you know, Chris Taylor light. It's like, well, you probably could have tried that instead of some other guys. Um, I, I really like Wade Meckler's skill set, but you look at it and go like, could you have tried Fitzgerald to give you a jolt in, in August instead? Um, or, you know, instead of Pollock or somebody like that, or mm-hmm. instead of some of the other guys they, they threw in there. So um, I think he's really interesting. And I, I think one important thing that Farhan said, and we'll see if he sticks to this, is just they might have to give some of these guys a chance and just rely on the defense and rely on, you know, the home runs and the stolen bases and not look as much at strikeout to walk ratio and some of the other things that are so important to them and, and their control of the strike zone. And I, I, I view Fitzgerald very similar to the way I view Casey Schmidt in that, you know, what he's going to give you defensively. Right. I think we know, I mean, I was pretty impressed with just the way he ran around center field and with the full off season and a full spring, I think he's going to be pretty good out there. Um, but there are going to be some, you know, there are going to be some droughts and we saw pretty long ones from Casey. Um, but at the same time, we know he's capable. I think if you threw him out there, you're going to get really, really good defense and he'll probably hit 15 or 20 homers just once he gets comfortable because he, he has that kind of power. I mean, we saw what he did in Arizona, like his first road trip. So those guys are, are I think what he's, he's talking about and, and a little bit of like the, you know, let's run some of these guys out there and and not as much of the the Darren Ruffs of the world. And the <laughs> I even put Wilmer like I, I Wilmer's phenomenal, but you know, do you want him at third base often? I don't think you do. So um JD Davis, they really kind of ran into the ground in the second half. So I, I think there's probably an element of of leaning on some younger guys. And to your point, like it's there's only so much you can do. Like they don't have a ton of these guys available to them and and sort of like Bellinger and Lee, I don't know who's out there in free agency that would yeah. move the needle much in terms of outfield athleticism. Yeah. It, I used to talk to Tyler, I guess two years ago or whenever, 2022, I said, I think you could take to center field if you wanted to. And he was like, yeah, I think I could too. They haven't asked me, but I yeah. was clear that skill set was there. Um, yeah. I mean, it's funny because 2020, that the the second half of that short season kind of crystallized i thought once they put devon out in center field every day when he became their everyday center fielder the whole team kind of functioned better i thought uh, although they moved off from that the next year and it gets to this issue of of mixing and matching versus trying to develop players because if you're developing players they've got to have the opportunity to fail a little bit um and and maybe the question there is and this comes up with the manager search too. It's how much is 2024 a playoffs or bust season for this organization? Can they have patience with some of these guys to develop them? Well, first I'll say, I think Dubon's a great example. I mean, I, I don't blame them for giving up on him. The I mean, mental mistakes were like just glaring and we're never getting better. Um, at the same time, like he's, he's not their type of player, but maybe they need two or three of those, like, you know, guys who you're going to be frustrated by a lot of what they do, but they also bring a different, a different element to the team. I mean, I'll keep going back to just the one stat I've written a couple of times and I've written a couple of times this week and things that I'll post in November is the guy who was second on the team in stolen bases had four. So it, it's just like such a ludicrously low number. Yeah. Um, I think there were like nine Phillies who had more than four stolen bases. And that's a team that crushes homers. So 
like Harper stole 11, Castellano stole like 13. Like it, it, they're so far behind the eight ball in terms of speed and athleticism that I, I think they do need to look at um, some of those types of guys. But yeah, to your point about like next year, it's really fascinating because I think Farhan is very specific in the way he would like to build and, and does think he's building something impressive, but there is some pressure to, you know, have a big off season and win the off season quote unquote, which yeah. they don't love to do. And that usually doesn't work. Um, and there is some pressure next year. I think to, there's certainly pressure on him to make the playoffs and at least, or at least show like, you know, this is, this is going to be really impressive the year after I, I just, you know, this is five years with him now. And, and 2019 was a, a tough one, but um, 20, they were disappointing. 22, they were disappointing. This year, they were wildly disappointing. So I, I don't think they can have another like 82, 83 win season. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it, the thing about getting some guys who quote unquote, aren't their type of player. Um, I think Tyro Strada is a great example of that. He is a really different acquisition for yeah. most of the players they bring in and he's turned out to be a fantastic player for him obviously yeah and he's their best player so <laughs> he is their best player i mean that's uh, i now i'm going to pivot to something else you were talking about on on your podcast yesterday um but one thing that if you want to look at what's happening in a positive light which is i think fun to do um you know they got patrick bailey installed this year they've got estrada established as a really good player they're going to give shortstop to Luciano and, and I think he's going to be a really good player. They're starting to get a young up the middle core, which is a pretty important part of teams. Obviously uh, Jung Hu Lee is somebody who has uh, uh, gotten into Giants fans minds. Now that we saw Pete Patilla in Korea clapping for him. <laughs> um, I mean, he could be a part of that too. If you, if you're establishing this sort of athleticism up the middle and and bring in all these corner mix and match bats that's can be a good recipe for success uh you think there's a pretty good chance uh that that lee ends up uh being part of this organization yeah i think what i said was i if i had to choose one guy i (laughs) know that's the guy just because look otani we know what we know what the deal is there they're going to be in on it we just it who knows what the mets are going to do who knows what the dodgers are going to do um who knows who else is going to come out of the woodwork and, and say, this is, this is it. Um, you know, there are other teams in similar positions to the giants in terms of needing to win over the fan base. Uh, and Yamamoto, I, I think for them is like, it's one and one a Otani and Yamamoto yeah. this off season. But again, like who knows what the Mets are going to do? Who knows what the Dodgers are going to do? The argument is just like, just win one of these, right? Just like go do what you did with Correa and just go, go way ahead of the pack. Um, yeah. But it it is hard because there are other, one thing Farhan says a lot, which I, I'm sure will drive fans nuts is there are 29 other teams and there's yeah. not 29 other teams on both these guys, but there's, I don't know, a dozen like it, you're, you're trying to beat them out. So um, that's where I, I look at somebody like Lee who really fills a need for him. And they have a ton of interest. I mean, I, I think Pete's been to Asia three times in the last few months. Um, so it, there's a ton of interest there and and fills a need. And the bidding is not going to be as insane. So if you're trying to just win that, like we saw what the Red Sox did last year, it's easier to win the bidding when you're talking right. 40 million, 60 million, whatever. And, and you just go, you know what? We're going to do 80 
just to make sure this guy's here. But it's a lot harder when you're Yamamoto and you're talking 200, 200 million. Then you got to go, all right, we're going to do 250 just to make sure he's here. Yeah, although when uh, watching the playoffs, of course, there are a lot of arguments out there for just winning, winning the bid. Just, you know, you watch yeah, Texas, no, you watch Philly, just go win a bid and and not worry about exact dollar for exact value. That's what I would tell them to do is just go win a bid. But it's, you know, I don't know that they're going to do it. So, yeah. Um, well, I skipped over Luciano kind of uh, briefly there. So I want to back up to him. We didn't see much of him this year. We saw a few things that were pretty encouraging. Um, if this team is going to be successful, is it how important a player is he going to be? I, I kind of feel like he is a really crucial part of them being successful next year if they're going to be successful. Um, is that the way you see it too? That he's going to be an essential player for this team? Yeah, I think it's crucial because one, I don't think you can do anything other than just give him the shortstop job. Yeah. So I, there's no there's no Correa out there this time. There's no, excuse me, there's no Trey Turner. So I think they just have to give him that job and they should give him that job and they will give him that job. Um, but you're pretty dependent then on him being ready for it. And I, I really liked what I saw in September. I think defensively he's fine, which has yeah. always been a question about him. Um, and, I, you know, if, if Kai is back and if he's able to work with him, I think he's going to, be t- more than fine out there at short um you know not a ton of speed but more than they have from a lot of their older guys and we <laughs> thought he's willing to run a little bit and then just the exit velocities like it is his average exit velocity i think if he had qualified would have been like 13th in the big leagues and you look at the 12 guys ahead of him the guys right below him and it's basically all the best hitters in baseball so it's such a unique skill um and i, I think it's it's such a clear like identifier of this is this is a super talented kid. He has to figure a lot out, but the power is the power is gonna play. Um he needs to get more balls in the air. But I, I just think you look at what he was able to do in the short cameo and, and a lot of those games against the Dodgers, a pretty good team. Um pretty good pitching staff, even though it didn't show in the postseason. So yeah, for me, he's just crucial and and not just for next season, but like it we know the deal here. Like you kind of have to build your own stars and, and have them come through the system. And, and they haven't been able to do that on the position player side. And he is somebody that like, you can, you can dream on him hitting 30 home runs and yeah. becoming a superstar in San Francisco and being a homegrown, you know, the next homegrown guy. So I, I your use of crucial, I think is appropriate. I mean, the exit velocities were that way in AAA, too, for him. I mean, he wasn't yeah. there a lot, but his 90th percentile exit velocity was like 110. It was Which is why they're like, get up to the big leagues right now. Right, right exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be strikeouts, and you hope he's healthy. That's really the big issue. Um, do you have any sense of people you talk to of whether this organization cares about – there's the new strategy and the new CBA of, of get your rookie on the opening day roster so you can possibly get the – the, the yeah. new comp picks uh, the way Arizona and Baltimore have done. Is that something that this organization is thinking about or caring about? Do you know? I haven't talked to anybody about specifically like, cause we just haven't had the guys right. to even like be a <laughs> but, consideration. But now we got two. Yeah. So, but uh, knowing the way they view assets, like a hundred percent, it's part of the math for them. Um, and it's, it's pretty important if you can actually get guys like Corbin Carroll is going to get 
the Diamondbacks, what, like the 32nd pick in the draft? Something like that, yeah. Extra money. We saw the Mariners do it last year. Um, It's pretty important. I I think, you know, there's probably like – I haven't talked to anybody specifically, but I'm sure Farhan at times sits there and smiles at the fact that he has two – two bites at the apple next year. Cause we assume both Harrison and Luciano will be on the opening day roster. Right. Which means, you know, they're not going to get optioned up and down, which I, the fan base should be happy about. Uh, they'll have a role. Um, and if they do but, get option, you're not worrying about that draft pick anyway, because they're not going to win the award. So. That's true. Um, well, let's go back to Casey. You mentioned Casey earlier. Uh, obviously it was a, a difficult year for Casey. I, at, at some point, a couple of weeks ago, I did a, baseball reference search uh, basically just looking for everybody in baseball history that was his age had his many at bats as a rookie and as low of an OPS plus as, as he did this year. Uh, and it was not a happy list. Uh, <laughs> although Rich Aurelia was on it. It was like yeah. Rich Aurelia and 200 guys who never hit in the big leagues. Um, by the time you got to the end of the year, what's the internal assessment of Casey? What do you think they would like to see him be or do next year uh and and do they still look at him as a as part of the shortstop situation because that i think was part of his his issues this year too it's funny i was going through some of my quotes from september and just kind of deleting ones i don't need and one of them was from gabe a few days before he got fired and we're kind of doing big picture off-season stuff and he's very clear that marco is ready for an opportunity um and he was very clear that he thought casey was not quite ready and and at the time, I remember thinking like, oh, this is an offseason story. Like, you know, Marco is probably the starting shortstop next year and Casey probably is headed back to AAA. Um, and I still think that might be the case. Certainly ended the season on a high note. I, I just I'm high on him for two reasons. One, I think like you talk about just physicality and, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was that game in Arizona. I think he hit it like 445 or something like that. The yeah. exit velocities for him are not as consistent, but there's a high end there that some of their other guys don't necessarily have, and it shows you what is capable of. If he gets stronger, the sprint speeds are, are pretty good. Yeah. Um, more than you would think, given that it's not really ever been like, it's not a well-known part of his game. Right. So the athleticism is there with him. And then I'll go back. Like I talked to him about this at the end of the year. Like he played, he made a play in Chicago that nobody cared about because they were having a terrible series and the season was, it was like, <laughs> Oh, here we go. But he made a play um, in foul territory. That was like one of the elite third baseman plays that the type, and he made it very easily and nobody even thought about it. And he didn't really think much about it, but it was just a play that not a lot of third basemen can make. So I just think that's like, it, it sets such a high floor for him. Um, mm. If you put him at third base and he has a lot to work on in there's a lot to work on in terms of his approach to, to get to it, but we know there's power and we know there's speed and we know that, you know, he's pretty easily able to turn on a pitch if, if you leave it inside And a, you know, there's just a lot to work on, on, on his approach. Like he was, it didn't take the league long to figure out that he will just chase further and further outside. And, and that ultimately, you know, kind of ruined his season. But yeah, um, if he fixes the approach, I, I think the tools are there for him to be really good. I mean, I've always, I was always a little dubious on trying him up the middle. I really like him as a third yeah. baseman. What are the bat plays there is the big issue. But, you know, that day that they brought up Fitzgerald that we talked about, that was the day they they jettisoned two shortstops off their roster. 
and then they brought up Luciano and Fitzgerald and, and they left Casey down there. And I was wondering at that time, it's like, does this mean they're kind of turning the page on, on him up the middle and are going to focus more on him at third base? Because I do think that's where he belongs. I think a little bit. Yeah. I, I think there's an element of, and I talked to some of his teammates who are like, we've seen him play third, just like, just throw him out there. Like that's, yeah. his, you know, it's really good out there. Um, I think they're probably at the point where it's like, this is a nice tool to have that we know mm-hmm. he can play shortstop or second if we need it, but yeah. um, probably not your shortstop here or your, and definitely not your second baseman. Well, let's then turn to Louis Matos because um, I've written this a couple of times. One of the really surprising things to me this year was the way Matos struggled on defense in center field. Cause I have, that's what I thought was kind of his, his high floor was that he could play up the middle really, really well. And he did struggle with that, which, I think probably surprised a lot of people in the Giants player development as well, but he's not a big power bat. Like you like to put in the corner necessarily. So I know this team wants him to get stronger. What is the view of him? Is he, is he a guy who's going to be in the mix for a position next year? Do they see him ultimately up the middle or does he have to become a corner bat? You know, where does this year leave us with, with Matos? Yeah, I was surprised a little bit. Um, and I know even in, in camp, some of the coaches were a little bit surprised by the lack of foot speed because wow. you you just you see the highlights when he's not in camp. He, you see the he looks like he should be fast. Yeah, and he's a smaller guy, and you you know that he's you know got a reputation as a good defensive outfielder. So you think yeah. he should be pretty fast, and then they're seeing his times down to first and just kind of going like something here doesn't add up. Um, and I think we saw some of that in center field. Yeah. And the jumps were poor, to be honest. I mean, the that was that was really concerning to them. Just the the jumps he was getting in centers. I, I thought he looked much more comfortable and right when they threw him out there, and um, showed a better arm than I. You know, I haven't seen him in the yeah. minors a whole lot, so uh, I think he made it. He might have had their hardest throw of the season. Um, there was one throw of the plate. That outfield assist, yeah, yeah. But I. I you you hit on the crucial thing, which is he just has to get stronger. Like it's when you see him, it is like, oh yeah, this is this guy's twenty one. Like it, yeah. it is, it which I, is the reason you get excited because in the same with Marco, like there was a long stretch here where everybody who got called up was like twenty six, and it's <laughs> yeah. like, all right, I'm really excited about this guy. He's he's about to turn twenty seven in a month. So, yeah. um, but you can dream on guys who are twenty one and twenty two, and and I, I think for Matos it's really up to him just to decide how much weight he wants to put on because he is me and Cole joke about warning track power a lot. Like he was <laughs> kind of the king of that. Like it was, yeah. it, the ball just died and it's a beautiful swing. And I, you know, there's a lot to like about his approach and um, his aggressiveness at times, but it just, the, the power is not there yet. So he, he needs to put on, you know, that's a guy where I think we'll know at the start of camp, right? <laughs> like, you know, right you'll know from day one, like, does he look the same or did this guy come in and, oh, he's he's put on 10, 15 pounds. It is the old best shape of your life, but for him, it's going to be true. <laughs> I mean, that was the Patrick Bailey story last year. The reason people I talked to were so enthusiastic about him, first off, was that he just came in looking a lot stronger and they'd been asking him to do that for a couple of years. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and as you said, with Matos, it's not just strength; it's a, it's physicality because they also want him to get quicker. Um, yeah, and part of that's just working on his body. 
Okay, well, let's, um, let's, I'm going to run out of time here pretty soon. So let's actually talk pitching. Um, Obviously, there are a lot of arms. I mean, this is a run it back situation because we've got Webb, we've got Cobb, we've got Dave Scafani coming back, we've got Stripling coming back. um, And then we've got Kyle Harrison and, and, and Wynn and Beck. There's a lot of arms out there, which makes you wonder, are we going to see a whole lot of mix and match again in, in 2024? Do you think any of these rookie arms are going to be starting every fifth day when we get to, uh, get to next April? Yeah. I don't really know what Kyle, ha- Kyle has to prove at this, this point in AAA. Um, you know, what he did to the Dodgers on the final day of the season was, and what he did to the Reds, I mean, it's like, if that's once every seven turns through the rotation, I'm totally fine with that. I don't care what happens the other six times. Like, it is something that not a whole lot of guys can do. And for me, it's it's pretty easy. You pencil him into the rotation and you throw him out there. And I also just think he needs to compete. And he need, he's only going to get better by competing at the big league level. I don't think there's anything else for him to learn at AAA. And he's such a good prospect that I don't see why you wouldn't just put him in the rotation next year. The other guys are, you know, are interesting. I, I do like a lot of what I saw from Wynn. Um, I'm not sure if you want to start the year with him in your rotation or if you want to start the year with him in AAA as depth or in your bullpen. Uh, mm-hmm. Same with Tristan Beck. So it, it kind of depends on what they're able to do. Alex Cobb will be back. We know we know that Logan is going to be the opening day starter. Um People are going to hate this, but there is an element of Disclafani is on the roster. And if he's healthy, you know, you still throw him out there probably at some point early in the year to figure out if, if you can catch lightning in a bottle like you did in, in his first year. And, and then Manaya could be back. So, and if he's back, I think he probably earned the right to at least start the season in the rotation and see if he can, he can figure it out. So there's a lot ahead of some of those guys, but they feel pretty strongly that the strength of their organization right now is young pitching and we'll see those guys in the rotation. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys, as you know, in double A AA and triple A who are, yeah. are pretty close to ready for a shot. And my main thing with that whole group is just how many of them are here on February 15th. And did, did any of them get traded? You know, can Keaton win or Tristan Beck get you a center fielder? I don't, I don't know. We'll find out, but I think that's something they have to explore. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is we hear this talk of will they deal from that from that quote unquote surplus um, and and how much can they deal from it? There's it's interesting because one thing they did this year was was try an experiment that was significantly limiting pitches and innings. And uh, a lot of scouts who came in to sit on their organization walked away frustrated by that because yeah. they, they didn't I, always see what they wanted to I see. I'll tell you players walked away frustrated. Yeah, well, <laughs> that I know. But. If you are, it's great if you're trying to get guys to your own team and this is the way you see fit for doing that. If you're going to turn around and try to discuss trades with some of these guys, there's some lost value um, that you're going to have to to get over in trade talks. And I, I do wonder if that skepticism may may, uh, may play a role in this winter. I can see that. I mean, I, I know there was frustration from people within the organization and from players. And, and I, I do think, you know, I think one of the big mistakes they made with Kyle was not letting him ever try to work through things in AAA. And then he, I was blown away that he gets called up and they're like, okay, now I can throw 91 pitches. You're fine. (laughs) So we were like, we would not let you try to finish the fourth inning two months ago, but now like 
go and try to get through the seventh or whatever. <laughs> like, it, so I, I think there's probably a discussion to be had there. Yeah. And, and as you, as, again, I'll go back to your podcast because it is really essential listening. Uh, there was some weird things going on with the pitching uh, in, in, in August and September. Yeah. I, I thought that that did not play with the way they'd been doing things all year long. Um, okay. Well, I, my zoom is telling me that it's going to cut me off. So I'm going to ask for some big picture <laughs> tickets here. Um, what, how do you predict this winter going? Do you have a favorite, uh, in, in the manager race and what is the extent of sort of change to this roster going to be, uh, over the next four months or so? Yeah. If I had to have a favorite right now, I think Steven votes really interesting. Just there's a ton of tie-ins, obviously. Um, you know, from a buzz perspective, like he would be someone that I think fans would get excited about. Um, and just from a pure, you know, someone who wants a job, someone who wants who wants that shot. So I think he would is maybe more likely than some others to take the risk of of what could happen here in a year. Um, and he has the fallback if he can do TV anytime he wants. So he'll be. <laughs> He'll be fine if it all goes to hell next year. Uh, in terms of the offseason, I mean, look, it's there's only so much you can do to the roster. And when you look at the actual roster, the downside of having so many rookies come up is that those guys are on the 40-man now. And that's right. that's a chunk of your of your team. And there's also an element of, like, if you can put Lee in center, great. But if are you going to go get somebody in left field when you know that you have Hanniger's contract on the books, you have... Matos, who could be ready at some point for a bigger role. You have Wade Meckler still in AAA. So I don't think there's too much they're going to do. I do think they have to go high end a little bit, whether that's Otani, whether that's Yamamoto, um, whether that's Bellinger, whether that is three of these pitchers for a position player. Like, I, I don't think you can run it back without putting somebody in the middle of that lineup um, who's just hitting third every single day and you piece it around you piece it together around him or, or whether you go out and get Yamamoto and just say, you know what? It's Webb, it's Yamamoto, it's Cobb, it's Harrison. This is our identity, but I don't think they really have an identity right now. And yeah. for me, that's kind of the goal in the off season. Yeah. That the 40 man uh, stickiness that, that goes back to that sort of gamble of putting Meckler on the roster when they did uh, yeah. without the need to. And, and, and that will have a cost this year was vote. I actually get my timeline a little mixed up. Was he, with the Giants, Zaidi's first year was that 2019. He was with the club, or was it before that? I think he was. Bef- I always forget who was first, him or Nick Hundley. But um, <laughs> he knows a ton of people here, and he, you know, we saw the Mariners come in, and it was like it was a little bit of a pilgrimage to go say yeah. hi to Stephen because so many people know him, and he's so well known. But for me, he's like the type. Whether it's him or Mark DeRosa, or like you know, I think Pat Burrell would be fascinating. Like somebody like that who can connect with players. Right. And connect with the fan base um, and, you know, have some autonomy, but also kind of run the run the plan here. Right. Somebody with some gravitas in the in the locker room, but also it would be, charm in look, the in the public. I actually like I feel like Gabe got scapegoated to it a pretty large extent. But there is an element of like basically from day one, he had trouble winning over the fan base and um that matters in that job. Like we see how many people are still talking about Bruce Bochy. So it, it does matter in that job. You are essentially every day that the face and mouth of the organization. I, uh, a couple of years ago, Bruce came to Richmond for like a week to, because he was 
checking out all the players in the system. And literally between every single inning, there was a stream of 30 fans yeah. coming down to take a picture with them, you know, get his autograph, uh, just really a beloved man. Um, well, okay. Whatever, whatever happens, obviously people need to be following you uh, uh, on Twitter, on, on your, on your page. Um, do you have any really good things coming up? Cause you you did a lot of wonderful pieces this year, the homegrown series. Do you have anything coming up that people should keep an eye out on? Um, nothing in the off season, I think probably just the podcasts and, uh, we'll see, you know, off seasons reacting to news, but I will say the cool thing, homegrown was a ton of fun and it was a ton of fun because he was right here. So it was, yeah. it was, it was, so I, I will say like, there's, you know, I have things in the back of my head of like stuff we can do with Harrison next year if, if it develops, but we'll let him get a, get a few starts under his belt. It was really cool. And then Kyle is just, I mean, he's, just such a mature kid and he's great to, to be around. I, well, I'll leave you with your listeners with this. Like I could not be higher on his makeup and his future and yeah. his competitiveness. So for me, that's like a pretty easy, I know he's going to be in trade rumors. That's a pretty easy, like put him there with Webb for the next six years. I'm right there with you. Both of those guys hate to lose. And, and that's what you want on this. Team. Hate to lose. Alex, I appreciate you taking some time to talk uh, Giants yeah, baseball anytime. with me and have a great off season. You too. And thanks to all my listeners. I'll be back again next week with another episode. Take care, everyone.